Post Reports is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post brand studio. From the newsroom of The Washington Post. Hi there, is the mayor in? Marissa Lang with The Washington Post. Hey, it's Dossie. I wanted to pick your brain on the truck. Hi, my name's Jenna Johnson. This is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Monday, January 21st, Martin Luther King Day. Today, what it really felt like to be on the inside of a movement that changed the course of history. When I see the pictures of the first day when we were turned away, we all just look really confused. People were shouting, kill them, lynch them mean, horrible things. And so I'm grateful that still photos couldn't show how we were shaking in our boots. That's Minnie Jean Brown Tricky. Before she was married, she was just Minnie Jean Brown. Minnie Jean Brown, tell folks who are listening who you are. That's The Post's Jonathan Capehart. I'm one of Little Rock Nine, a group of young people who desegregated Central High School in 1957. She and the eight other black teenagers trying to attend a white high school in Little Rock were blocked from entering by the governor of Arkansas and the state's National Guard. There are approximately 200 National Guardsmen, state troopers, present here on orders of the governor. They were instructed by the governor in a special television speech last night. Units of the National Guard have been and are now being mobilized on the grounds of Central High School until President Eisenhower intervened. Mob rule can not be allowed to override the decisions of our courts. This was back near the beginning of the civil rights movement. So it's almost in the Middle Ages. Happened a long time ago. A couple weeks ago, Minnie Jean Brown Tricky sat down for an interview with Jonathan. They were at a conference in Palm Springs, California. And one reason why she was at this conference was because she wants to dispel this myth about what it took for her and others to become civil rights leaders. Because there's this assumption that everyone had this innate fearlessness. I mean, there is no one for whom this is more true than Martin Luther King Jr., who we often think of as this stoic, otherworldly visionary. But Minnie Jean Brown Tricky says that the truth is that they were all scared and confused at many times along the way, and they were just trying to improvise. Well, I mean, yeah, that's what we're trying to confess to that, right? We're trying to demystify the hero thing. They talk about Dr. King being a leader, and my thing is, I know all these guys. These civil rights leaders were all her contemporaries. If they were anything, they were a bunch of rowdy young people, right? Meaning that they didn't always have a big plan. They were making it up as they went along. Trying to perform courage for each other. And they were all really young, navigating this intense era as young people. When we first met Dr. King, please don't put this in the thing. What did we think? We thought he was cute, okay? <laughs> Wait, we can't use that? That's fantastic. No, you can't. Okay. You can use it. I mean, come on. I mean, he was young. We from the South. He was a cute little old Baptist preacher. Mm-hmm. Other than copying to the fact that she thought that MLK was cute, 
Minnie Jean has a lot of other insights about what it was like to live in the civil rights movement at that time. Because she wants people to know that when she first signed up to attend Central High, she wasn't trying to be a disruptor. Everybody say, you were so courageous. Well, I wasn't courageous when I signed that sheet to go to Central. My two friends and I, we said, oh, we can walk and it's simple and we're just going to sign up. And why not? I really thought going to Central was going to be a thing where they would be as excited for me to come there as I would to go to that school. And I had no idea. So we couldn't have anticipated what it was going to be like, nor could our parents. You know, when we hear the age 14, 15, or 16, we think of, oh, these innocent children, they have these visions of the world that are so pure, maybe naive, and then something happens that just strips all of that away from them. Were you... That's true. So is that what happened to you on on that day? Yes. Everything stripped. Belief in the mythology of the country, stripped of illusions, stripped of innocence, because 14 and 15, 1957 was really innocent. Even in a Jim Crow South, we're still pledging allegiance and saying anthems. And so all the sort of safe things that you get in your life about what the world is about, it just goes away. I mean, maybe it wasn't even racism, just plain hate. It was intended to destroy us. It was intended to discourage us. It was to tell us that we were worthless. And really, what it did was the absolute opposite. For several days, Minnie Jean and the rest of the Little Rock Nine were turned away from the high school before they finally got an escort by the 101st Airborne Division of the U.S. Army. We didn't have to go back on the second try when we were turned away. We didn't have to go back on the third try, but we chose. So there's where the courage kicks in later. The courage ends up being defiance rather than courage. I'm coming back. Y'all can act all the fool you want. I will be back. On the first day at Central, I said, the country does not deserve me. I am too important to be there. A person did a study of white women later about why they hated me so much. And they said they hated me because I walked the halls of Central like I belonged there. What did they do? Oh, kick you downstairs, throw garbage, spit, drop acid, not that kind, off the third floor and make holes in your clothes. Um, Melba Patillo got acid in her eyes and the 101st washed her eyes out. Name calling, just constant. It was designed to break our spirits. And in some ways it did, but we didn't show it. (laughs) I kept thinking... The most important thing for me to do while I'm here is not to cry. How do you manage a difficult situation? Well, I didn't think I belonged there, but I sure as hell acted like I did. Minnie Jean Brown never graduated from Central High School. She was ultimately kicked out of the school after being suspended a couple times. 
And that happened because of times like when a boy in the cafeteria tried to trip her by kicking a chair in front of her while she was carrying a tray of food. I ended up dropping a tray with chili and all that and got suspended for that. But when I went down to the girl's vice principal, she said, Minnie Jean, did you do that on purpose? I said, accidentally on purpose. Resistance is accidentally on purpose. (laughs) That experience, and others, helped Minnie Jean embrace the fact that while she may not have set out to be a revolutionary, her circumstances were turning her into one. I could see why they would hate me. I was a beacon. We were... We were beautiful and given somehow a cast, if you had a halo around you, to them. That was how much they hated us, that they thought we were some supernatural beings. And in a way, I think we were. This collection of memories from Minnie Jean Brown Tricky has been edited and condensed. You can listen to the full interview on Jonathan Capehart's podcast, Cape Up, which you can find at WashingtonPost.com slash Cape Up. That's it for today. Share your thoughts about this story on Twitter with the hashtag PostReports. And check out WashingtonPost.com slash PostReports if you want to listen to other recent episodes of the show. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Post Reports is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Are you looking to learn a thing or two about getting your finances in order, saving, and investing? Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post brand studio. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.